Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Detroit Lions Breakdown Podcast. I'm Joe Kenya. With me, as always, is Eric Schlitt from PrideofDetroit.com. Eric, here we are, week 18, and who would have thunk it? The Lions <laughs> have an outside chance at making the playoffs with a, you know, first off, a resounding win over the Chicago Bears on Sunday, 41 to 10. The Bears didn't stand a chance outside of that first drive they had, and, uh, it puts them at lines at eight and eight, and they got the Packers this Sunday. We got a might be the uh, this is the biggest uh, week the Lions have had since you and I started this podcast. Yeah, very. Yeah, what the this is probably the biggest game since 2017, right? Like, it was well, nice yeah, in the playoffs, right? Well, it like I, I would say this game is even bigger than that playoff game because mm-hmm. the 2016 season, you know, that. Stafford breaks his what was that, his middle finger on his throwing mm-hmm. hand, and they blow the last three games. They were what nine and four, mm-hmm. lose the last three, lose out on winning the division championship. I believe to the same same Green Bay Packers in the last week, but they mm-hmm. still back into the playoffs. And you know they they went to Seattle, and I don't I don't think anybody gave the Lions a shot, and they you know didn't really play well in the game didn't really show up it was it was similar to the last three weeks of the regular season so this game's bigger than that because i think in 2016 everybody's like eh, well we know what's coming <laughs> probably the biggest game since the dallas debacle back in 2014 or the 2015 playoffs with the uh the questionable pass interference call and then the sam martin shanked punt and you know all that that stuff all right I, I think this is, I agree with you. And I, I, I do think this is probably bigger because this has layers to it. So, so the scenarios are basically this. If the Seahawks uh, beat the Rams this weekend, that will have eliminated the Lions from the playoffs. If the Seahawks lose, the Lions playoff chances are still alive and it becomes a win and you're in situation for the Lions. The Packers the whole time will have a situation where if they win, they're in regardless because they hold the tiebreakers. Oh, they hold the tiebreaker over the Seahawks. So the Packers are playing for the postseason. The Lions, meanwhile, need that help from Seattle. But here's the thing. I I, I argue that this game is more important than the playoff, right? If the Seahawks win and the Lions have a chance at the postseason, great. If the Seahawks or if the Seahawks lose, if the Seahawks win and the Lions are out, it doesn't matter. It still has incredible value for the Lions because of the potential that it could turn into. Right. Like this is a team that has a chance to go five and one within the division. They'll have a chance to be the NFC North favorites next year. In my opinion, they will have gone into Lambeau Field and taken down the reigning MVP, this will be a changing of the guard type of situation in the NFC North because the Vikings are have a great record, but the Vikings have been exposed twice, once by the Packers and once by the Lions, right? So I don't think anyone's going to go into next season thinking that the Vikings are going to be the favorites in the division. I think it's it's really going to be which one of the Lions and the Packers, you know, come out of this thing. And so, I mean, we can discuss that a little bit later, but like my point here is that this is an opportunity for the Lions to register a win that has meaningful impact well beyond the scope of do they make the postseason or not. Like this can have lingering impacts down the road because this could set them up for 
more primetime games next season. This gives them more national recognition. You're going into the offseason with a winning record. And like at the end of year two of a rebuild, that's an impressive stat. So there's a lot of lot to play for that's going to go beyond uh, you know, does this team make the postseason or not? Because look, this game flexed to Sunday night football, not because of the Lions, right? No, it's like because they, of, yeah, Aaron Rodgers. Yeah. yeah. They absolutely and, and <clears throat> if and Dan Campbell has pretty much made it clear, like he's gone into that locker room and told this team, this isn't about you. We're flexed because we put ourselves in a good spot. They flex this game because of Aaron Rodgers. And if you want to be in the spot, if you want to be in that spot where they're flexing games because of you, you go in there and you beat this team, right? Like they're going to be motivated. I, I playoffs or not, I think they're going into this game looking to smack the Packers around. All right. So you mentioned that this game might only have a symbolic value, right? You you, you talked about with the symbolic. Yes. The game yes. still might have a very concrete value <laughs> depending on uh what the league chooses to do with the you know current playoff scenario with the Bengals and the Bills not not playing likely not playing the full 17 game six schedule mm-hmm. and uh a lot of it you know most of it most of the scenarios they talk about have to only have to do with the AFC but one of the deals is if they they're considering adding an eighth playoff team in the AFC, just so yeah. none of the Bills, Bengals, nor Chiefs will have a bye week because you know the three of them didn't necessarily earn it, right? They they didn't play out the schedule to figure out who really earned it. Sure. Uh, so if they do add an eighth seed to the AFC, they are going to, for competitive balance reasons, mm-hmm. and to punish the Eagles or the Cowboys, whoever it ends up being, <laughs> the one seed in the NFC, to add an eighth playoff team, which means that. If the Lions end up, what if the eighth playoff seed gets added? Then the Lions, the the formula becomes a lot simpler, right? All they got to do is beat the Packers, yeah. and they'll make the playoffs. And you're in, yeah. It, it's still a, it's still a winning in type of scenario. It just means that winning, you're in the playoffs, no matter what, right? Um, there's a couple of scenarios that have been thrown out about how to, you know, how the league's going to adjust to canceling the game, um, but. If they do add that eighth game, there's a lot of benefit for them because they will have, you know, it, it strengthened Sunday night football. They will have given an opportunity to try and keep competitive balance in the AFC. Uh, the There's really like not a lot of losers in that situation unless you're the Tennessee Titans and you purposely tanked in week 17 because you didn't think it meant anything. And now if it does, but that's fine. You punish the Titans for uh, tanking anyways. Right. So like basically it's, there's not a lot of downside to it except for you forgot about the, the big infusion of cash to the NFL yeah. for the well, that's, two that, playoff games. I think that's, that's number one. Well, that's what I'm saying. The optics, the optics are just the biggest negative because they're going to look like, we canceled one game to add two more, and now we're going to make a lot more money. And then, and that's that looks horrible, right? I mean, that looks absolutely like the NFL has taken advantage of a really, really scary situation. And so that's the downside. And that's one of the big reasons why I think they probably won't end up going to this eighth seed type of thing. Mm-hmm. In my mind, I think they, the game gets the game is going to be washed. 
and they're just going to go to um the neutral site or yeah, winning yeah. percentage or yeah. coin and, flip or something. Yeah. Uh the the winning percentage unfortunately will hurt Buffalo. But if you if you made the game a tie, it would hurt Buffalo. Like there's there's really almost no way around not penalizing Buffalo for the game. Since he actually would be it would be advantageous for them to have something like that because they end up being in a better position. But for Buffalo, it's almost all bad, uh, no matter what result they come up with. So um, it's it, it, they're trying to maintain that competitive balance. I don't know what they're going to do. Um, if they do add the eight seed, that'll be something the Lions will be, I'm sure, happy to embrace. I'm not counting on it personally. And, uh, you know, I, I, I would be surprising to make a drastic move in, like that, in my opinion. So... I'm looking at it as the game is meaningful no matter what. Um, and if it means something, all the better. Right. What and and one question before we move on. If the scenario was like uh turned into like if we added the eighth playoff seed, the Packers would make it no matter what. Do you, do you think it would be a much easier decision for the league to do it? Just you know, um, like if the math worked out to where it's <laughs> like, well, you know, the Packers would finish eighth, you know, at that worst, no matter what happens Sunday. So we might as well <laughs> add the extra playoff seed. Yeah, unfortunately, that's too conspiracy. Well, I know what the I know what the right, reality right. is, but uh no, I just want I want to make sure reality. everyone else under everyone but, else understands too is that right. the what would keep the the if the Seahawks won and the Lions won, the Packers would be out. Right. But if the Seahawks lose. Packers are in would be in no matter what. Um, but the league can't guarantee that. So yes, if you're a conspiracy theorist, I maybe that would influence them because hey, they flexed them the Sunday night, right? So um I, I'm excited for the Sunday night game. I'm you know, it, it makes my it makes work life a little harder for me, but at the same time, I, I I'm happy that they get so, some uh national attention final game of the year like yeah, final regular no, season game one. of the year yeah i think it's like uh it's an honor to be selected to play in that game because everybody's going to be watching it's base it's essentially it's a playoff game right and yep, so it's, it's the warm-up for the playoffs exactly and it, it should be fun all right let's go to the transactions before we go and talk about that game no transactions this week there they've 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 uh They've collapsed the ranks. You know, they're yeah. in Allen Park. They're 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 working hard, focused only on Sunday. Injury mm-hmm. report running back Justin Jackson, hip injury, full practice Wednesday, Thursday. Yeah, so he injured himself on Friday and then couldn't play in the game back this week in full. So he seems ready to return back to his uh third running back slash kick returner role. Full back Jason Cabinda with a knee injury, did not practice Wednesday, limited on Thursday. Seems like he's headed in the right direction. Probably gave him a little rest on Wednesday just to make sure he was good. Slowly working his way back. Um, looks like he's headed in the right direction. Center Frank Ragnow, foot injury, did not practice Wednesday. Thursday, normal. This is nothing out of the ordinary for him. Yeah, I mean, this is he's he's not practiced the first couple of days, the last several weeks, right? And uh, so I expect him to return and be ready to go. Uh, you know, ready to practice on Friday, ready to play on Sunday. Right guard, Evan Brown, ankle injury, limited Wednesday and Thursday. I think this is rest, right? Like they, they, He's been a little banged up. I think they're just giving him a little bit more rest, too. 
guard Coyote Oshika, uh, ankle injury, did not practice Wednesday, Thursday. So I, the fact that he's not practicing is is a sign that he did have that regression last week. Um, I'd be shocked if he was able to return. Defensive tackle Michael Brocker's ankle injury, full practice Wednesday, didn't practice Thursday. Well, he hasn't been really, he hasn't been playing, right? He hasn't yeah, played since week six, right? It's been a long time. Oh, gosh, it's been a long, yeah. Um, so this really doesn't impact him. He's his role is as a leader at this point, leadership um, role, and he can be that leadership role with an ankle injury or, or, or not, right? So, uh, won't affect the game day roster. Safety Deshaun Elliott, shoulder injury, limited Wednesday, Thursday. It's a good sign. Um, he's expected to be back. They're still going to test it, take it easy with them. Uh, but if he returns, opens things up quite a bit. Nickelback Chase Lucas, hamstring, he was on the injured reserve. They started his 21-day window. We'll see him in the playoffs. <laughs> yeah, like <laughs> that's the thing. If if the Lions make the postseason, then um, he continues to get practice. He continues to work that clock. Uh, it's also possible because he can be returned at any time. He could be returned this weekend for the game. Um, we just don't know where he's at. Bottom line, though, for a rookie to get any type of practice is a good sign. And so um, it's a good indicator that he's back in practicing, even if he's not uh, playing in the game necessarily. All right. Let's talk about the Bears. Not a lot of injuries, which is good, you know, which has yeah. actually been a big help for the Lions for most of the season. They haven't had the – at the beginning of the season, there was the, they were bit by the injury bug. But ever since this yeah. tear has started, they've been one of the healthier teams in the league. Yeah. All right. Let's talk about the Bears' destruction. <laughs> it was uh, not much of a game, you know. You could, did you find yourself losing focus as they, uh, they, they just steamrolled the Bears? I, I did not. Um, even though they really only played for like, like aggressively for like two and a half quarters, um, you know, it was competitive for the first, you know, ten minutes, and then the lines really, I mean, they really settled in after that first ten minutes. But even when they, after the, like each team had a series and the Lions were able to respond to that, you know, Justin Fields uh, touchdown, um, I still felt like the offense wasn't really going to be slowed down. And that's pretty much what happened, right? They, the offense just rolled all the way through the first three quarters of the game. And then they just kind of went into let's run the ball and keep the clock going in the fourth quarter and didn't really bother to do a whole much, um, Jamal Williams sets them up for a late field goal, but uh, really that was uh, the only aggressive offense that they had in the fourth quarter. So all this, you know, they put up 41 points and they did it uh, in about 35 to 40 minutes, which I, I thought was pretty impressive. Jamal Williams, his best game as a lion, 22 carries, 144 oh, yeah. yards and a touchdown added in one reception for 13 yards. Uh this He's, won't be a discussion for a couple of more weeks, but is this somebody that they're going to have to target in free agency or is this the end of his Lions career? No, I think he's a guy that they want back for his leadership, uh, for his durability, for his dependability. And um, he was asked in the locker room on Thursday if he was interested in coming back. And in his Jamal Williams kind of way roundabout said like he enjoyed being here and he he would want to return. Um you know, he's he's gonna go into Green Bay here for his final game uh, of the of this season. The team that drafted him. He's six yards away from breaking a thousand. He's never done that in his career. Uh he's one rushing touchdown away from tying the Lions record 
for most rushing touchdowns in the season. And he's, he's, he's got some, uh, he's got some really lofty goals and, and the offensive line, when you talk to them, they want it for him. Like they want to be able to give him everything that he's given them during the season. Like they appreciate him. He appreciates them. They want to work for each other. And, and you know that they're going to go into that season knowing that if he can get a rushing score, that if he can, you know, break that thousand yard mark, that, that he has things coming to him. And, and, and so they're going to be busting their butt trying to make sure that he gets those opportunities. So yeah, it's a career day for him last week. And I think they're going to try and loft him up and, and get him some more on, in this upcoming game as well. Jared Goff, excellent game completed just around 75% of his passes. Uh, not a big number of passing yards, only 255, but it wasn't necessary for him to light it up any more than that. Three TDs, no picks. Most importantly, he threw passes completed to 10 different receivers, really Ooh. spread the ball around. His passer rating was like 130 something, right? Like 131 or something like that. It was like very high considering he only had like 250 something yards or whatever, right? Uh, so it just, he's been efficient. Like, I think the last time he threw an interception was against the Packers, right? Like it's, that's what I mean. I, I might be wrong, but that's what it feels like. Maybe he threw an interception a week after, but regardless, like he's been smart with the ball. Uh, ben Johnson has been calling plays for him that don't put him in bad spots. The offensive line has been giving him time and he's been making smart decisions. And I think there's, there's a lot of, uh, there's a lot of situations where, He's not panicking like he has previously, or he's not thinking I've got to get the first down here because I don't know what the next play call might be. He's confident that Ben Johnson is going to put him in a situation where if he doesn't get the first down on that throw, he'll get on the next one. And the team has picked him up and he's trusted that he doesn't have to win every down by himself. And, and that has made for a more efficient, more effective and uh, just, I mean, a, Jared, a more efficient and more effective Jared Goff, which has led to a lot more points on the board. Uh, Jared Goff's last interception was on November 6th against the Green Bay Packers. So it by the time Sunday rolls around, it'll be over two months since he's thrown his last interception. Worth noting for Goff, he's played at Lambeau Field twice in his career, once in the playoffs on a January 16th. It'll be January, was it, 6, 7, 8? Yeah, it'll be the 8th when they play. Uh, this week, and he's 0-2. Um, lost as a Lion 35-17 to in the first meeting last year on September 20th, and then, then that playoff game as a Ram back on after the 2020 season. Mm -hmm. They lost 32-18. to Worth noting. Yeah, he's he's played the Packers as a Lion three times, and he's 1-2. Lost the only one he lost was in Lambeau. Uh, what another note about the Lions offense, Shark, DJ Shark. And I was reading some things about him saying he was feeling bad because he got this $10 million contract, really wanted to prove himself so he could get mm -hmm. like a big long-term deal. And he feels that he didn't, uh, it wasn't really living up to what, you know, he sure. signed up to do, obviously, because the injury and all that. Sure. He only had what, two catches, 56 yards, but you know, his return and his, he's been vital. Oh know, yeah. This, during this streak, during this tear. We're going to, I was going to dive into this a little bit more in oh. a bit, but no, no, but Chark wasn't available when they played the Packers last time. Neither was Josh Reynolds, neither was Jamison Williams, and neither was a couple other guys that I'll, I'll say for that, for that when I talk about that later. But 
So this Packers defense hasn't seen a Lions offense with those three receivers. Like it's a very different offense than it was a while ago. And I agree. I, that, that Chark's ability to stretch the field and open things up has really made a big difference and how the Lions offense can, can move. All right. Flipping over to the other side of the ball. It was, it was all rookies. And one thing we discussed you know, going into the game, it's like, well, the, the game's going to go by how the Lions stop the run. You know, are the Lions going to be mm-hmm. successful stopping the run after giving up, you know, 320 yards or what was it 400? What, what was the number? 420? Whatever. Oh, gosh. It's no, I think massive, that was total. Yeah, yeah, it was like yeah, 60 yeah. on the ground or something. Like that. Yeah, it was ridiculous. But the massive was number lot. to Panthers, you know, the Lions can't mm-hmm. give up a massive number. They're going to be in big trouble against the Bears. They give up mass. So they gave mm-hmm. up a massive number. They gave up 200 on the ground, 132 of them to Justin Fields, but it didn't matter. They limited the mm-hmm. Bears to only 75 yards passing. And that, you know, that's that's a bit of the Lions game plan, but a lot of Fields is inexperienced and the Bears, you know, lack of an offense as a whole. Yeah, it was the pressure, I think, right? Like that pressure that got to him. Well, really, he didn't have an answer for it. The Bears offensive line didn't have an answer for it. Um, Hutchinson gets a half sack. Houston gets three sacks. Josh Pascoe <laughs> gets his first two sacks of the year. I mean, five and a half sacks ju- from uh, all from rookies is is crazy. Like, now the Lions rookies have 18 and a half sacks on the year. The NFL record is 19 from a rookie class back in 1999. So, like, one sack and boom, they got an NFL record from for a rookie class, right? And and they're doing it from all over the place. And my goodness, they they have introduced James Houston into a, a variety of roles. He has, uh, as Aaron Glenn said, earned his earned the right to play on first and second down. Uh, he was part of their scheme adjustment to try and stop the running backs. Now they didn't stop fields like you had mentioned but the to stop the running game to stop the running backs they they made an, a, a schematic adjustment that included james houston essentially what they did was they left three cornerbacks on the field but only one safety and when they removed that safety the that safety was replaced by james houston and then houston comes on and now instead of a four-man front you now have a five-man front so Pascal moves from outside of the, the tackle shoulder to now the inside of the tackle shoulder. And it's a subtle move, but it changes rushing angles. It changes how gaps work. Um, Hutchinson plays on one side and you have um, Houston lining up on the other and Houston just becomes a big problem, you know, and you saw him drop into coverage a couple of times and he, you know, drops into coverage and he still gets a sack out of from five yards dropping deep, right? Like he just gives them an element that they haven't had it was it was it's exactly what they wanted julian aquara to do all year but julian could never really live up to that right and houston has found it houston did not play the last time they played the packers right like he had he didn't come up to a couple games later in thanksgiving so the packers have not even seen james houston live right so He's another guy that they're going to think that they know they uh, that they think that they're going to know about, but it's a whole different story when he gets so low and rushes with that kind of power that he does from that low angle that it's it's really hard to account for. I don't care how good your uh, offensive linemen are; it just creates a different angle that they're not used to, and and it, it can take some time to adjust. And he he has been able to take advantage of that. 
where is the pride of these these opposing NFL offensive tackles that they could they have no they have no answer <laughs> for James Houston the fourth right it's not dips like right underneath every one of them and it's it's not it's like they're not it looks when they show the replays it looks like they're not even trying it's because they it's it's hard it's hard to get that low and his ability to generate power while also basically almost scraping his shoulder pads off the off the turf is pretty startling like because he's not huge let's see he's like 240 yeah. pounds you right. know what i mean yeah. like they should be able to just push him down and they can't because the angle's too hard the the power is too his speed is too much and when he connects with them they don't have the power to hold up with at that angle because they just don't get leverage what do we always say low man wins when you're in the trenches right, right? like they can't get lower than him it's impossible for these guys to get lower than it, it's one of those things that made like Dwight Freeney and Robert Mathis. That so, was the two names I was going to so, bring up. I yes, have, I have Robert so Mathis difficult. up right here. They were undersized guys, seemingly. Even uh, well, Jason Taylor, but he was tall. But yeah, he was yeah, also he was like a lighter five, guy. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, but that's it. Like it's, it, you know, you look at that and you think, oh, for us, wouldn't every small edge rusher just be able to do that? It's it's a rare thing. Like it's it's really rare to be able to be to 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 bend at that angle and still maintain power. It's 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 a rare trait, and he has it, and he's leaning into it. And uh, you know, okay, so we I talked to Decker in the locker room last week, and we were asking him about what happened with Houston. Like, how was he able to turn the light bulb on? And he said, like, he just started trusting some of the things that were working initially. He said he did this move that he did in college where he would press to the edge and then cut back inside. And Decker said, well, for me, that's easy because I knew what he was going to do. And so every time I would just sit on it and when he tries to, when he would try to cross my face, I had the angle and the leverage and he couldn't do anything to me. I just, every time I wiped him out and he's like, but when he started bending the edge, and I had a harder time getting to him, it started working and he saw that it was working and then he started leaning into it more. And, and then it became where I'm like, oh crap, I'm having a hard, I can't get to him now. And Houston has taken that and now ex- expanded on it because now he's using arms, his arm angles differently. He's, he's stacking his pass rush moves together. They're dropping him into coverage now, which means now you have to account for him in different situations and so there's a whole big thing going on with him that's making uh, that's giving the Lions a, an element to their defense that they haven't had before, and the pressures are coming because of it. And all of a sudden, it's like sack, sack, sack all over the place. Yeah, you mentioned rookies five and a half sacks. Team had seven sacks overall. Got to mention the Hutchinson interception. You know they got yeah. a Aaron Aaron Glenn kind of took a. a a page out of the Ben Johnson playbook of doing something a little bit, you know, a little bit different. So yep. a little something different out there by having them, you know, lurk near the sidelines and then you hope nobody notices he's there. And that's exactly what happened. Yeah. Field said, I'd never seen it before. I had no idea what was happening. And I just almost tried to just throw it away because I didn't know what to do and credit to Aaron Glenn for that. And then Hutchinson to make some freaky, athletic move where he uses his short arms apparently right like does it look like he has short arms like it, you know what i mean like all that all that 
Hoopla over arms. yeah over his short arms and he sure looks plenty long to me but uh third interception of the year yeah which is just crazy like to for a defensive end to be able to for a guy that's on the edge all the time uh he drops into coverage only a handful of times and then comes away with three picks it's 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 an impressive uh it's an impressive stat yeah, he's putting up a very nice rookie year. We'll probably talk more about that in a couple of weeks. Well, I, uh, look, uh, no. can I before we move on from him? I just want to point out one other thing: is his ability to contain Fields was, I think, illustrating the, his level of intelligence on the football field. When Fields was running, it what he was not running to Hutchinson's side. He always he always got loose on the other side when they where they didn't have. Uh, Hutchinson, you know, or his ability to get loose and, and keep angles. Hutchinson's ability to cover the outside and cover the front and then s- slowly just close the pocket on, on fields was a big problem. And it was a huge reason why they were able to bottle fields up after those first two drives. The big thing for Hutchinson this offseason, and maybe you should be doing it already, is read everything everybody's writing about um, J.J. Watt. All the ex-teammates, all the uh, (laughs) ex-adversaries, and everything they would say about him and what what he did to prepare and what he did in games and kind of try to follow that mold. And, of course, and and this way, you got to beat it. You got to do it better than he did, you know, to keep the evolution of football yeah. going right. That, yeah. I mean, if, if, if there's a, if there's a track that he's going to try to follow, although he's not as big as Watt, but you know, it's the same type of idea. Yeah. All right. So let's talk about this Packers game. We already talked about it a little bit mentioned that uh game's going to be at Lambeau field on Sunday night. No surprise to anyone listening that I, I, yeah. I would be shocked if anybody's tuning into this. <laughs> going, They're playing Sunday night. What's going on at Lambeau? <laughs> Where is who plays at Lambo playing the Packers? <laughs> the Vegas betting line is in the Vegas zone, four and a half points. So between the yeah. three and seven. Yeah, I I mean I get it. Uh I know you the, want the Lions favored. No, I, look <laughs> in, in Lambo, I totally expect the line. Look, even if Vegas thinks the Lions are going to win, I still expect them to favor the Packers because I think that's where the betters are going to be. Right? Yeah, the oh, betters yeah, are yeah, if the they, Lions were favored, they they you know hammering that line on oh, the Packers yeah, side. Yeah, a hundred percent. You know, look, the Packers are are on a four game win streak, and they've got Rodgers, and there's history there, and blah blah blah. But yeah, I, I, that line really hasn't moved. I don't expect it to move, uh, but I expect the Lions to cover, and um, we'll uh, you know. I'll tell you about how I think they're going to beat them here. Like I, I it's, I think there's a way there, there are, there are ways to win here. And I think there's, it's a lot easier than um, I think it's a lot easier than like what they're getting credit for anyway. All right. Lambeau field, which, you know, this, this hallowed football ground and, and, and the Packers have had a ton of great teams over the years and a ton of great mm-hmm. players, but the story, as always in January, when it comes to Lambeau Field, is what's the weather going to be in Green Bay, Wisconsin? Yep. Sunday, we got a high of 34, low of 22. Obviously, it'll be nighttime, so there will be no sun. If they, they're playing in 20-degree weather, one positive thing for the Lions is they played in 20-degree weather at Carolina uh, two weeks ago. Although they yep. played terribly in that game, maybe they got a little bit of uh, um, uh, tempering 
to what they should sure. be expecting. And then for a lot of these guys, it's not the first time they played in Lambeau field and also not the first time they played in cold weather, but eh, maybe for a lot of rookies, you know, that we rely on a lot of rookies like mm-hmm. Hutchinson was, you know, the coldest game he ever played in was well, the Carolina game, but before that yeah. was the snowy day in Ann Arbor against the Buckeyes. <laughs> and, uh, so that that that's going to play uh, a big role, and you know if the Lions come out like they could come out flat like they did against Carolina, didn't really seem like they wanted to be there on Christmas Eve. But I, you know, they have a lot. They they know a lot more is on the line here, so it'll be interesting how the weather affects them. Yeah, and the thing that worries me most about that is when it gets colder, the the field gets a little choppier, a little slippier. And if you watch that Minnesota game last week, the Minnesota was falling all over the place. And so I, uh, hopefully the Lions saw that. Bring the long that. cleats. Right, exactly. And so hopefully they that's uh, that's something that you can't really prepare like for that. You can't really like go to a vacant parking lot and find like a slippery condition to practice. It doesn't work like that, right? But um yeah, hopefully they have the longer cleats. Hopefully they're prepared and they, uh, they're when you have a slippery surface like that, you can have an advantage as an offense. So be prepared for that. Remember the snowstorm in Philadelphia? How many oh, years yeah. back? And oh, they yeah. didn't bring the no, they didn't bring long cleats. And it's like, come on, <laughs> you know, like, and that wasn't the, the you know in the last like thirty years of watching Lions games. That's not like the first time that's ever been brought up in a Lions game where equipment wise they weren't ready for whatever situation they're going in like what was you know like this is it's pretty straightforward stuff here you know yeah anyhow right games 8 20 p.m we mentioned that playing at night on nbc the nbc crew mike Tarico, chris collinsworth melissa stark down on the field um most people this we've we've heard that crew a lot Tarico's uh a local from ann arbor yeah. and uh the referee is going to be brad rogers he's averaging 11 and a half flags per game yeah, 11 and a half is right about average. I think the league average has dropped down to like 11.3 something now, but that's basically right at that. Um, he's called Lions games recently uh, over the last couple of years. Um, he's done, hasn't done anything controversial and he's, he's been good. Um, he's, he's called good games. So you're hoping for a lot of that because we all know the, uh, the history of refereeing in Lambeau field and, uh, I think Rogers is a good enough referee that you don't have to worry about and him cleat Blakemaning himself and uh, you know calling ridiculous calls over and over and over. One thing we shouldn't be shocked as shocked with though, as Lions fans, the field might be tilted in the Packers' favor. And you know, like this is not a conspiracy theory type thing. It's just mm-hmm. kind of just what happens in these. That's why you know a lot of these teams remain up at the top. You know, like it's a little it's subconscious thing, you know, that they, sure. they continue the narrative of the NFL. Rogers is going to be in this Rogers' ear, you know, giving him the what for the entire game. Right. So, like, I, I don't know if that pushes things, you know, in the Packers uh, 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 direction when it comes to officiating. One thing that's going to bother us as fans is Chris Collinsworth will be just talking a ton about Aaron. It's going to be all about Aaron Rodgers. <laughs> Even when the Lions are on offense, they're going to be talking about Aaron Rodgers and they're just going to keep showing camera shots of Aaron Rodgers. <laughs> and it's going to it's going to be grading at times. Yeah, unless the Lions get out, right? Unless the no, Lions but then they're still going to show them. Well, right, but <laughs> can Aaron Rodgers make a comeback? You know, like, <laughs> he made a great throw on this last drive, and yeah, sure. Lions are driving again. But don't count out Aaron Rodgers. That's what it's right. going to be, right? Oh, I get it. I get. I do. Um, he's, he's he's one of the faces of the league, right? Right. Um, 
the Jared Goff story though is something. And when yeah, you look not at them, talk about Jared Goff. Well, I think they will. Well, I think I, they will. You know, they'll throw a graphic or two up there, but it's not <laughs> going to be centered around Goff. Hopefully, it's a statistical graphic because all the stats favor uh, Jared Goff season over over Aaron Rodgers season right now. Like it's it's really not close. Yeah, like I mean, it's close in the grand scheme of things, but like he's. He's statistically having a worse season than Goff. So hopefully they show that. All right. The Packers, who have been terrible for a lot of the, the season, we've kind of mentioned that a couple of times before. Everybody watching out there is, is seeing a lot of bad Packers football this year. Mm-hmm. They've won the last four games, and they won the last one in dominating fashion over the Minnesota Vikings, 41-17. to 17. Mm-hmm. Had a couple of close games before that. Had the Dolphins game where Tua was getting hurt. They had the Rams game where the Rams were in disarray. Uh, I mean, they had they had Baker Mayfield for that game, but it was – after that first Baker Mayfield game where everything settled back down. Mm-hmm. And then before that, they beat the bears team, the bears team that we could be. So that's their four game winning streak. They're on to pull them to eight and eight. And it's, you know, it's such a, you know, the lions are on this great streak. They're seemingly having this great season now. And this Packers team has been bad most of the year. And it's like, yeah. Oh, but they're still even. And if the Packers win, they're in. <laughs> well, here's, here's the thing though. When you take a closer look at those Packers wins over the last month, they're not as impressive as they as you might think, right? They beat the Vikings handedly, but you know what? We saw what the Vikings are. Lions beat the Vikings by by two scores. So yeah, that's an impressive win, but it's the most impressive of the other ones. Miami was winning that game until Tua threw three interceptions on every possession in the fourth in the fourth quarter. Might have had something to do with that concussion he got earlier in the game. Very likely. Quote unquote, very likely. Um the Rams team is a five and eleven Rams team that had Baker Mayfield. So again, that's a game they absolutely should have won. And they were losing to the Bears 19 to 10 in the fourth quarter before the Bears worst defense in the league collapsed allowing them to win, allowing the Packers to win. And the Packers point to that quarter of football when they were down nine as their, as the thing that was the turning point for the end of their season. Here's the thing. The bears aren't good. The Rams aren't good. Miami has lost five games in a row. The Miami is not Miami that we saw at the beginning of the season. And we know that the, we know who the Vikings are. These four games, statistically, the Packers look great. At the same time, they should beat these four teams. You know what I mean? Like these are not right. the these are not the four best uh, four of the better teams in the NFL, right? Right. The Bears are in contention for the number one overall pick. The Rams are in a t- are going to give them a top five pick. Miami doesn't even have a first round pick because they gave it up because they're tampering, right? Like. And they're nothing like they were. Like they've lost five in a row. They're they're gonna lose six this weekend, probably, right? Like it's not this gauntlet of of teams that they had to go through to all of a sudden become four and oh. And yes, their offense has improved, and yes, their defense has improved, but they should, those things should improve. You know who else's offense has improved? The Lions. Right. Like the, it's the same thing. Like in it in the Lions haven't just like, yes, they've got that stinker of a game in Carolina, which is a something that has to be inexcusable. Oh, completely. I know. Right? It has to be, no, I like your terminology better. 
but they're seven and two over the last nine. You know what? You know what the Packers did before this four game win, this incredible four game win streak. They were they one lost. and six. Yeah, but they lost one to the seven. Eagles. They lost to the Eagles and they lost to the Titans. The Titans, who are an, a, a team that is trending the wrong way as well, like. So yes, they've won their last four, but they're but they're four and two over their last six. It just you can skew these stats however you want to, right? And yes, the Packers offense has gone up from like I don't know. They're they were they were seventh in DVOA. Now they're sixth. Their defense has gone from like twenty to sixteen or whatever it is. You know what? The Lions offense went from eleven. Now they're three. The Lions DVOA offense is third. Okay. And everyone's like, oh, the Packers' offense is so great. Look at them. They're sixth, right? Oh, the Lions are third, (laughs) all right? Third. You want to look at expected points? They're like, oh, the Packers' expected points now. They're seventh. They're seventh in expected points. That's great. You know what the Lions are? Yeah, they're number one, okay? They're number one in expected points on offense, right? The Lions' offense is better than the Packers' offense right now, okay? I get that this there's a history here and i get that there is a narrative that goes into this but at the same time every area that you can point to that the packers have gotten better the lions have also gotten better and if not and maybe gotten better than they're better in all those categories as well so take your four wins and in you know put them up on a mantle and talk about how great they are and completely ignore everything that the Lions have done over the last two months and only point to Carolina, that's fine. Be the underdogs. Doubt them. Talk about Aaron Rodgers for the first 40 minutes. I don't care. This is a better, the Lions are a better team than the Packers are right now. If the, I wish I had the control to turn down your volume button. My ears <laughs> are hurting. Very so, excitable. No, it's fine. No, it's, 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 it's great you have this passion for the game. Let's talk about the, the the lineups. We'll start with Aaron Rodgers. We talked about how Jared Goff hasn't thrown an interception in two months. Uh, Rodgers, not so similar. This is an off year for him uh, uh, accuracy-wise and, and turning the ball over the other team-wise. A lot of issues, a lot of issues with that. He's often yelling at his uh, wide receivers. They're running poor yeah. routes. It's usually not his fault for whatever reason. Uh, he's thrown <laughs> interceptions in two of the last four games or three of the last five. But he's Aaron Rodgers, as you mentioned, the reigning league MVP. And uh, he's going to be, he's been in a ton of these games before. He's going to be calm and cool and collected with his teammates, but not at the officials, the officials or anything. See, I mean, look, his receivers have come on of late, again, as can be expected yeah, the over the last month. The problem is, is that they're still not on the same page. Like they're still having these big hiccups in critical situations too, where he's expecting them to do one thing and they're doing something else. Right. And then of course he blames them for it and you can see it and everyone on TV can see it and it's awesome. Uh, But they're as good as they are, as good as, as much as they're playing well, there's also some hiccups in there. And so it's not like this, like, completely fluid march down the field every single time type of offense that it's being billed as running backs, Aaron Jones and AJ Dillon. We know them both. Well, yeah, there's your problem, right? This is your focus. Aaron Rodgers is what he is. And the, and the, and the receivers are getting better, but your focus has got to be on this, this running back tandem, because if you can take this running back tandem down, 
and you can hold them back, it creates a whole bunch of problems for the Packers offense, and it creates opportunities for your defense because then it allows you to be uh, more aggressive in your pass rush and, and do a whole bunch of other things. So it starts at stopping these two backs, and they're both powerful. Jones is a really difficult guy to get to. They play that outside zone. Jones can play outside. He can play inside. Like there's a lot of things that Jones can do where, you know, Dylan's more the power guy, of course, but you've, if you can, if you can wrap them up, if you can bottle them up, you're not going to stop them, but if you can restrict them, like you did the last time you played them, it's a problem. It's a problem for their offense. Dylan and Jones combined for 59 yards rushing on 20 carries in the first go around Lions did a fine job <laughs> of bottling them up. Wide receivers is a different story than uh, the group they played the first time around. Alan Lazard, Christian Watson, Romeo Dobbs. Dobbs and Watson are the two youngsters. Uh, Lazard has had a step up, and he's really stepped up into that first receiver role. Randall Cobb coming off the bench. We should be seeing all four of them. Yeah, and and if you can't stop the run, you got to one-on-one these guys, and then it's a little harder because the Lions secondary is a weakness, right? And so you if, if, if you can't stop the run, you're going to have problems stopping these guys one-on-one, and then it's going to turn into a shootout. And you don't want that, right? You don't want to have to get into a shootout in Lambeau against Rodgers because, like you said, there's ingrained biases that, that always tend to favor Green Bay. So stop the run makes stopping these receivers a lot easier. Uh, they're getting better. They're still making mistakes, but Watson has been playing really well of late. Uh, he's been the guy that they go to. He's, he came off injury last week, and he's he's he's, he's still playing well. So they're, he did he only played like half the snaps or a little over half the snaps last week. But I expect him to be back at a full clip. Lazard, like you said, is is the the guy he turns to the most because because uh, Watson and Dobbs are, are are both rookies, and so Dobbs will be your third guy. Plays about half snaps as well, and then like you said, Cobb, he's going to get his run because that's that's the guy that uh, Aaron Rodgers trusts. Tight ends. Here's where there's going to be an issue. The tight ends had a, did a fine job against the Lions last go around. Robert Tanyan, Mercedes Lewis, Josiah Deguara, where we, we didn't really even talk about him. We were leading up to the game and he had what five receptions, 40 yards receiving, you know, they, not, not putting up great numbers, but it was a guy mm-hmm. they were able to get the ball to. He's hurt. Uh, he was not hurt on Wednesday, got hurt on Thursday and was not able to practice. So um, late, or midweek injuries tend to be problematic. We'll see if that ends up being problematic for him. Uh, Tanyan's their their one. Mercedes Lewis always tends to show up as the veteran. Um, 38 years old. Well, overall, the tight end unit is not as good as the rest of their offensive skill players. It's, I'd say, the weak part of their offense, if I'm I'm being honest. But – if you start bottling up the run and then it makes it easier to shut down the passers, that's where Rogers is going to end up going to. He's going to, that's his, that's going to be the the third option. And so it's, it's not like if you stop the run and you handle the receivers, you all of a sudden the offense stalls, like Rogers is still going to go to, he's going to go to the next option and the next option. You know what I mean? Like they're still going to put up yards. That's just, that's what's going to happen. But if you want to take away, if, if you can take away their best players, that gives you the best opportunity. And so if he ends up throwing to his tight ends, that might not be a bad sign. It might be mean that they're doing good in other areas. Down on the offensive line uh, from left to right, we got 
David Bakhtiari, if he ends up playing the entire game, Elkton right. Jenkins, Josh Myers, John Runyon of Michigan fame, and Yash Nijman. Uh, and Nijman was – so let me back up. Bakhtiari didn't play two games ago against Miami, and Zach Tom, the rookie, played at left tackle. He played well enough that when Bakhtiari returned, Tom went to right tackle and played right tackle for them last week, and Nimian went to the bench. Um, I, I assume Tom's going to be back in. Uh, the Packers shuffle their offensive line more than any NF- team in the NFL that I can recall. So, um, I mean, you kind of have to when Bakhtiari's questionable every week, right, to play. Uh, you have to be flexible like that. But um, – I do think you're going to see some Zach Tom uh, in this game as well. They're all average except for Bakhtiari and Jenkins, the left side. Those guys are elite players when they're healthy. Um, it's when they're healthy though, right? Like they're, they're, they're really good on that side. And um, that's where Hutch is going to be. So will Hutch uh, be able to square off against those guys Will they make adjustments to try and get Hutch on the other side and then try and get uh, James Houston up against Bakhtiari? Because I think Bakhtiari might have a harder time with James Houston, if we're being honest. Um, but and we'll see. I, you know, I think a lot of it's going to be dictated by what they do with the tight ends and stuff. That's typically how the Lions defense reacts. But I, I do think Hutch is, if you can get Hutch against a right tackle more often than not, you're going to end up in a situation where uh, you're happy with that. All right. Well, let's talk about the defensive side of the ball. And, you know, uh, curse alert. I haven't needed (laughs) to bring it up in many weeks, but there is a curse alert here on defense because as we both know that there are are men that are ex-Lions in some way, either as ex-players or as ex-coaches who do not deserve revenge against mm-hmm. the team that fired them or released them or traded them away or whatever, <laughs> but end up sure. getting it. Anyways, mm-hmm. you know, Patricia, the most recent example, Joey Harrington's another famous example on that Thanksgiving day with the Miami, Miami dolphins. Like it, and Jim Schwartz was carried off the field after yep. defeating a lions team. Although, you know, <clears> he, he was well under 500 in his career as lions head coach. So I don't know why you carry him up. Like he was <laughs> wronged by the lions for being such a poor head coach. Anyhow, <laughs> Joe Barry is the Packers yep. defensive coordinator. Joe Barry was the defensive coordinator of the Owen 16 team back in 2008. Happened to also yep. be the son-in-law of uh, Rod Marinelli. Rob Parker did had a very unprofessional question uh, during that season, but I, he probably hit the nail right on the head. You know, it's one of those things that people are like, well, you shouldn't ask that, but it's like, well, it's probably fair in the end. Like, Do you wish your daughter married a better defensive coordinator? And that was, a, that was a big problem for him saying that, but you know, there's some truth. There's some issues with nepotism in the NFL, obviously. And it's also another issue with the NFL. For some reason, these guys who are bad at their jobs keep resurfacing elsewhere. And right. Joe Barry has resurfaced. He's defensive coordinator of the Green Bay Packers. They've really put things together on defense over these last four weeks. And if there is, you know, a curse lying in there somewhere, it's that this guy could get his revenge on the Lions, although he's faced them a couple of times already. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, my two cents, I have to bring in a negative side. This is this is one that's you know that <laughs> has a little red light, you know. Yeah, I mean this is the, for me. He's a this is a coordinator. They the fan Packers fans wanted fired uh, mid season, right? They should. They were, they were bad. Yeah. Um, their run defense is still awful. 
like one of the worst in the league. Um, worse than the Lions run defense. Uh, it, you know, to if, if we're you know being if we're talking like looking at the numbers, looking at efficiency numbers, looking at total numbers, their running uh rushing attack is I'm sorry, rushing defense is is not very good. Their passing defense is very good. Um, like you had mentioned earlier, opportunistic with turnovers recently. Uh, they have their better players tend to be in the secondary. Um, but this is a team that's been building talent for years. They have a, a ton of first round picks. Uh, they will be missing three starters, though, that are all on injured reserve. And so uh, we can get to them in, as we go through this uh, position by position. All right. So up front, Devontae Wyatt, Kenny Clark, Jaron Reed are going to be uh, playing up front. Dean Lowry is one of the guys you had mentioned that's yeah. on injured reserve. Yeah. So, I mean, Dean Lowry was starting and Wyatt was coming off the bench, but look, Wyatt, they've spent a first round pick on Wyatt, right? And they did that for a reason. He's a highly talented defensive tackle. Uh, he was not expected to to start or compete to start. He's gotten that opportunity. He's he's doing he's doing well with it. Um, they will not utilize all three at the same time. Uh, they typically just use two of those three that you just mentioned, Kenny Clark being the 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 rock of that unit. But they the last time they played against the Lions, they did go to a lot of three down linemen sets because they wanted to try and stop the run. Um, remember last time. Uh, Swift was coming off an injury. He'd only, he only played 10, like 10 snaps that game. He was not himself by any stretch. Uh, they did a good job of, of kind of bottling up Williams. Uh, but they did that by having to stack the, the, the front more. Uh, I don't think they're going to be able to do that this time because of the weapons that the lions have on offense. Because remember, like I, I mentioned earlier, they lines did not have Chark, Josh Reynolds or Jameson Williams previously. So with those three plus St. Brown all in the mix, you can't just stack five guys at the line. You have to be able to account for that speed and those stretch guys. And so you're probably only going to use two of those down linemen at a time. If they go with three, great. You're going to have somebody that matched up against St. Brown that you probably don't want. And uh, we'll just let St. Brown cook. Linebacking core, Preston Smith, Devondre Campbell, Quay Walker, Kingsley Enigbare, the man on injured reserve, we probably want to mention, is Rayshon Gary, their top pass rusher. Yes, yeah, another situation where you, they lost their top pass rusher, um, arguably their best player on the team, on defense, their best defensive player on the team, uh, and replaced them with a fifth-round rookie in Enigbare. Um, Campbell did not play the last time the lions faced them. And that was a big advantage that they, that they were able to, you know, uh, take advantage of. And so getting Campbell back is uh, a good thing for the Packers, bad thing for the lions at the same time. Uh, they don't have that pass rush that they, that they had back in week nine. So Preston Smith, you still have to account for Campbell's good off the ball. Quay Walker is a rookie and he's still kind of finding his feet. The, those guys are those three are going to be on the field quite a bit. Um, and Barry is not bad, but he's 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 no Rashawn Gary, that's for sure. Defensive secondary the corners are Jair Alexander and Razul Douglas. We'll those two corners, yeah. So Eric Stokes was their starting corner, and Douglas took over for him. Douglas used to be their corner three, now he's their corner two. 
Alexander is uh, a very talented corner. Uh, if you saw the segment where he was yelling at the media about uh, Shannon Sharp saying he was a good corner instead of saying he was a great corner. And he's sitting there with an uh, Alexander sitting there with an oversized hat talking about how great he is and how Shannon it's Sharp needs to watch his mouth. Yeah. And he, I, but you can't wear a ridiculous hat and then t- be like, you need to keep my name out of your mouth. Like, okay settle down okay like why you should only wear those hats when you're getting duke's mayo poured over your head whatever man. a I big mean, bowl game if you're being like you can't it, that's a it's a it's a it's a, a fun hat if it's, you're you being probably fun. should be in a more fun if, mood if you're, when wearing if you're being fun hat, i do it, understand yes that. you you don't wear a clown outfit and then go in and complain about uh you know something you know, you don't go to your, you don't, don't put a clown outfit in and then go into your boss and complain about how your, your hours, right? Like if you, I don't, whatever. I'm, we're getting know, into, maybe, uh, maybe we're getting into Matthew Hatter more. <laughs> we're getting into Matthew Hat, Stafford hat backwards syndrome. And I don't want to go down that road. I don't want to be Mike Ditka in this situation. All right. So I'm going to back away from that because I, I feel myself like, I don't know, let me stop. Alexander's good corner, better than good corner. He's, you can even say he's a great corner. He might yeah, even he's he, a great corner. He's had probably, an interception in the first game against yeah, the Lions. He, he's probably the best player on their defense now, now that, that Gary's, Gary's not there, yeah. right? Like that's how good of a player he is. Like I'm not trying to be dismissive of him. I'm just I'm very interested in his uh, some of his choices. Behavior. Um, yeah, whatever. I mean, it's fine. That this the it 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 falls in line with the whole Packers thing like the overconfidence the and maybe that's just maybe that's a ploy to to bolt the maybe that's what they'll call it like I'm sure that's what it is I don't see it that way but that's fine maybe I have my maybe I'm biased because of uh you you got a little bit of a bias on you maybe I'm maybe it's because I'm too old I don't know maybe I'm I'm, I got too much gray in my beard now I don't know what it is uh he's a terrific player now, Douglas is a better – he's a good player too. Don't don't get me wrong there. But they've done a good job of avoiding top corners in the past. And so I think if they're, if they're smart about how they call their plays, they can, they can find a, a ways of attacking this secondary. The, the problem will be that Douglas is not bad either. And so that now becomes more problematic. You can't be as picky with your choices. And then when you look at their safeties, they've got some flexible safeties and how they attack as well. So they can disguise things. They can show you one look and then and then push into another. Like they're very creative in how they can use their talent. And so their secondary is is something that you are that, that Jared Goff is going to have to be cautious with. Who's lining up against Damon Ross St. Brown? Well, that's the trick, right? Because it's probably going to be a safety more often than not. Uh, Keyshawn Nixon is there. Uh, he gets a lot of hub, but he's that's because he's a, a punt returner or a kick returner, and he's a successful kick returner recently. Um, but I don't think they're going to try and match him up against St. Brown because I think St. Brown will chew him up. So they may end up using like Darnell Savage, right, who's one of their starting safeties. Um, safeties are Adrian Amos and Darnell Savage. And then Rudy Ford gets a ton of play as well. 
And Rudy Ford has been like, so when they want to move Savage into the slot, they're going to bring Ford out to be like their more traditional safety. Savage will be the slot. So I can see them trying to pin Savage on St. Brown. And if they do that, that's not bad. That's, that's a pretty good matchup for them. But if they start with those three down linemen, like we talked about, and then that keeps their four linebackers, you're going to have to take one of those safeties off the field. And if you take one of those, so then if Douglas or if a Ford comes off the field and then Savage returns to a more traditional safety role, now you're matching St. Brown up with like Quay Walker or Devondre Campbell, or maybe trying to, maybe you do drop Savage down, but then you're going to leave some exposure on your back end because now you're asking one safety to try and cover the outside guys. And if you can, if you stretch them with the outside guys, they're not going to be able to cover that with one safety. So then they got to drop two safeties back and then they got to cover St. Brown with the linebacker. And so it's going to be like this punch counter punch type of thing, right? Where depending on what look they're trying to give you, you're going to have to attack them in in, in a different way. And I mean, that's part of what's great about football, but if you can establish the run, everything becomes easier on the passing game, right? Like it's the, it's it's the exact same thing. Everything that, that I talked about wanting to do to stop the Packers, the Packers should be trying to do to stop the Lions. They should be trying to stop the run first because if the running game starts going, it changes how that back seven operates. And if that back seven can, can sit, you can cover St. Brown if they can sit. If they have to adjust and account for the running game, now you get St. Brown in, in good spots and if you can if now you feed st brown then that's going to now expose open up the outside guys and so i fully expect them to to both teams to come out and try and establish the run and then use their savvy veteran quarterbacks to try and take advantage of what the secondary is going to give them but it's all going to be contingent on establishing the run first all right Let's talk about the kicking game. Kickers, Mason Crosby, we all know him well. He's, you know, he's yeah. getting up there in age, 38 years old, had a solid season, 22 of 25 field goals, 56 yarders as long. He knows how to kick in that building, and yep. he's a good player. Yeah, yeah, he's good. Pat O'Donnell's the punter, uh, averaging 44.6 yards per kick. Worth noting, he's yeah. had two get- kicks blocked this season. Mm. Yeah, he is. Their special teams unit as a whole is like middle of the road. Um, Lions is a top 10 team that's been playing like a top five team. So should have an advantage with the Lions special teams. Now, the, the as I mentioned before, Nixon, though, he's the guy you got to be conscious of on, for the Packers special teams. Yeah, 31 returns on the season, averaging 30 yards per return. So that's that's yeah. pretty incredible. He, he, he wants – to take it out. So if you're Jack Fox, you're trying to put it out of the back of the end zone every single time. You don't want to kick, you don't want to kick him the ball. But again, as we talked about after the Packers game, kicking the ball in cold weather is hard. And so you're going to have to be, um, you're going to have to have a game plan for Nixon, because if you can't, if Fox can't get it out the back of the end zone because of the weather, then he's Nixon's going to try and, 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 uh, catch lightning in a bottle here. And uh, he did well. He's done well last two weeks. He's had a couple of big ones. Jack Coco is the long snapper. I don't, so that's, I don't think that's you have where any we notes send, on him. That's where we send our Venmo to. 
Yeah, a, yeah. We find his Venmo. Yeah, and uh, <laughs> start sending him. Can- if you're gonna, if if you're gonna try to fix a football game, that's who you go after. It's long snapper. <laughs> All right, let's talk about who's gonna win. You got me last week. I had the I had the Lions winning a close one. You had them. You 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 sniffed out the big win. Yeah, I think. And let me just double check. I believe I won. I don't think it. I don't. That's I, what I think I'm it was, it was I only convincing, had him, right? I had the Lions only winning by one. You had them winning by at least ten. You, oh, you got okay. the win. Yeah, good. I didn't right, even well, need to reference that. <laughs> Maybe I just subconsciously feel like I need one, just because mm-hmm. you you've beat me so handedly this season. Yeah, yeah. Um, Hopefully, you get me again this week. <laughs> uh, I'm picking the Lions. I mean, let I let's be clear are. about this. Like, I I have. I have been asking for this matchup. You have been. Be I careful have said, what you wish for. Well, but look, I don't care. I, I am full in on this thing because this, this is how you make memories. This is how, like, if, if the Lions turn into something and if this regime can do something with this team, you can look back to, to this game potentially being a pivot point if they win this game, right? Like, you can I think it's that I think it's that important of a game that they're going to go in and they're going to be prepared for. It. I, I don't think the Packers are looking at this as a regime changing win. I think they're like, we need to get this win to get into the playoffs. I think the Lions are looking at it as we can change the direction of the entire organization. And that's why I think they're going to have that advantage. I think they have advantages on paper. I think they have better offense. I think uh, if it turns into a shootout, I think they're going to be okay. Um, and I kind of think it is. I kind of think it's going to be a shootout. And um, I'm going to pick them the win. And I'm going to pick it to be close. But I'm going to call 29-28. High scoring. Lions win on a two-point conversion oh, there that, go. They, oh, boy. that they call not at the end of the game, but earlier in the, the the drive prior, and then they score the touchdown, kick the extra point to win. Well, thank goodness you said that because now it's not going to happen in the game. You know, <laughs> like that would, uh, I would lose my mind. Like, like, I, but they, they might have to pull out all the stops to win this one. You know, um, I'd love to pick the Lions to win this game. Because I think you're right about a lot of things you said. I, you, Lions probably are a better team than the Packers. They pro, they do have a better offense than the Packers. Uh, but, you know, it's maybe not their time yet. You know, the intangibles are going to all be in the Packers' favor. Aaron Rodgers has been in these games a number of times. A lot of the guys on, these, on that team have been in these games a number of times. They've played in freezing cold weather at Lambeau Field at night on national TV. Don't forget, this is going to be the first time for a lot of these young guys. Like, when you think about these rookies, you know, they they understand the Thanksgiving Day game is special, right? So that's their nat- that was the one nationally televised game that all these young guys have had. But at the same time, they've grown up seeing this game and knowing about this game as, oh, this is just the game that's on before the Cowboys game. Everybody's going to eat during the Lions game. It's just going to be something on in the background. So it's really not as big of an event, you know, in, in their own <laughs> minds. Now, this is a big one. And this is the first mm-hmm. time they're going to be a part of it. And that's that's going to be interesting how they react to that. Um, the, the refereeing will be all in the Packers' favor. Hopefully it's only slightly you know, hopefully there's not Cleet Blakeman type blown calls all over the place. <laughs> but uh, 
you know, the 30 years following this team, there's there's been beaten down too much by them. You know, like and they and I hope they break through at some point. It'd be great if they break through tomorrow or not tomorrow. They break through on Sunday because that it will be big. It'll change the the future of the franchise. And maybe we're maybe we're getting too overblown. Well, maybe it doesn't do much of anything, but I think it would. It would change the whole direction of the franchise. I think you're right. Next year, there's be a lot of talk about the Lions winning the division, and it'll be overwhelming if they end up winning this game on Sunday. But as of this point, I gotta I gotta see it to believe it. So I'm going to pick Packers 27, Lions 21. I, I hope I I'm miss, wrong. I, I think I misspoke. Did I say uh-huh. one point win? I think I meant yeah, 29, 28. I meant 27. I apologize. I, that's what I submit. That's what I'm going to 29, 28, 29, 27. 27. No, 29, okay, Yeah, because they need that two-point conversion. I'm like, right. not, oh, although they could miss an extra point or miss a two-point conversion, make it 20. All right, so 29, 27. That's fine. Yep. I have Packers gonna... winning. You have Lions winning. So, yep. Watch I, the uh... tie. <laughs> <laughs> well, I... Uh... I'm ready. I'm I'm ready for the. Oh yeah, this will be awesome. Yeah, this will yep. be awesome game. You can't wait, and you know it, it. And hopefully everything goes great. And James Houston sacking uh, Aaron Rodgers all over the place, <laughs> dropping him left and right, and weird things are happening defensively. And there's some crazy play to Jamison Williams or Panay Sewell or something. You know they already used that one. Maybe they got one for Taylor <laughs> Decker lined up. Oh, for- they're going to have some trick plays. They're going to have empty the playbook type of plays for this game. I guarantee it. You can't you can't leave hold anything back. Not in nope. that last game. Yeah, hopefully they they bust everything out for that game. You know they they they, they play hard and they're they're in it from beginning to end. You know they're totally invested. Um, as for our listeners goes, we're uh, up to four hundred thirty three reviews on Apple Podcasts, so that's great. Thank you, Spotify. I believe's up to one fifty five. So yep. we're doing some rallying there, and that's great. And we appreciate everybody leaving a review. That, that's it's awesome. And if you don't leave a review and just listen, that that's great too. We really appreciate it. That's the only reason why we do this. If zero people listen, I don't know. We might still do it, but <laughs> you know, it's a lot better that people listen because that we're we're reviewed as being less crazy. Then that's certainly true. That's certainly true. I I, I will I I think. After my reactions this week, I think there's going to be some people that view me as crazy. Uh, yeah, oh yeah. Because I have been. Uh, this is, this is like, this is this is things I I, I want memories. You know, I, I want yeah. memories from this game. You only so. have so much time left to actually remember. <laughs> them. Also, I don't want to. Uh, I don't want to shift to off-season mode just yet, right? Like, right. let's keep this going. Another week, yep. It would. Yeah, and so, you know, that's it. And, uh, you know, good luck to those Lions on Sunday. I hope everybody out there listening, you know, sits back and is able to enjoy the game fully. Have nothing pop up in their own lives. They could just watch football. And that's it. And this week more so than any other, let's go Lions.